was fully expecting to see a big Arkansas Razorback magnetic sticker up here, but seems to be missing this week. Might be roasting in a fire. Uh, sorry, had to. Good morning. How are you today? Good morning to you who aren't online. We are so glad you're here with us, and um, it's going to be posted. So for you who are joining us online a little bit later today, we're glad you're with us as well. So um, several years ago, um, quite a few years ago now, I got a new phone, and this phone had a brand new technology that really was completely new, and the idea of actually putting on a phone was unheard of, and it was called GPS, and it wasn't as advanced as this screen might look at this time. This is back in 2004, but it was an amazing technology because it allowed you to get rid of your map scope, your paper maps, or your map books, and toss them, and you could actually punch an address into a phone and it would give you turn-by-turn -turn directions to where you're going. I figure I need to explain it to you since most of you don't understand how that works. Tomatoes. <laughs> but you could put the address in, get those turn-by-turn -turn directions. And I had just gotten this phone when the big day arrived for me to propose to my beautiful now wife. And so I planned out this big, big day where I was going to propose and to build it up and, and create some suspense. I told her that night, I think it was a Tuesday night, right? <laughs> she, she remembers. And I think it was a Tuesday night. And I told her I was going to take her to play putt-putt and eat at Poncho's Mexican Buffet. Yeah. Ray, raise the flag, right? And, and so we had one in our, not far from our, our baseball field and our house in Garland, and we ate there all the time. Well, Cammie, growing up in Oklahoma, had never had the, the blessing of eating at Poncho's. So I told one of her friends all week long, just tell her how awful Poncho's is. I, I wanted her to dread this Tuesday night that we were going to go out on this date. And so she's telling her all week we're gonna go to Poncho's and is like, oh, this is terrible. It's, you're gonna hate it, da 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 da. And so the big night comes and I had gone over to her house so that I could propose. I actually unplugged the garage door so she couldn't put her car up. I parked my car in there. I went and hid in the house. And so when she came in, I popped the question, will you marry me? She thought about it for a second. <laughs> she didn't think about it at all. She, she said, yes, so we're getting married. And I said, by the way, we're not going to Poncho's and we're not going to play putt-putt. We're gonna go eat at Reunion Tower, the big revolving restaurant and have a really nice dinner and celebrate our engagement. So go ahead and get ready. And she was relieved. To this day, she's still never eaten at Poncho's because of, because of what her friend continued to say. So 
Some of y'all are gonna have to tell her, no, 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 you need to eat at Poncho's. Do we, we don't have one though, do we? Is there one in Dallas still? Hope, surely? Man, anyone else hungry yet? Want some sopias? So we are going to Reunion Tower, and because I grew up in Dallas, I didn't really need to know how to get there. But because I had this amazing new technology, I thought, we're going to check it out. And so I put in the address for Union Tower in my phone, and it starts giving us turn-by-turn -turn directions. And when we get to 67 and 35, where you could go north to go to Fort Worth, it tells us we should take a right and go north on 35. And I just thought to myself, that is ridiculous. That is not the fastest way to Dallas. That I'm just going to ignore it. And so we just go on through the intersection and we come up to this next light and all of a sudden we hear this thing say recalculating. And then it says, make a U-turn. I said, Make it. There is no way I'm going that direction. So I keep going, get to the next light, be calculating, make a U-turn. I thought, well, evidently this new technology that they've put in cell phones does not work. And so we turned it off. And about the time we turned it off, we hit this stream of red lights that went on for miles from this wreck that had happened. And we ended up stuck in traffic in a section of the road where you could not make another U-turn. And we were stuck. We, we were in this place where it was, I think the technology probably worked. And I probably shouldn't, should have listened. Probably shouldn't have just ignored it. Because it put me in a really bad place. Now, and as I thought about it, here's the, the deal. I knew exactly where I was. I knew exactly where I was going. The problem is I did not know at that time the best way to get there. Now, if I were to make that drive a hundred times, almost every single one of them would have gone the exact same direction I wanted to go. But why was this scenario different? Because the context had changed. The road and the traffic had been altered. And now things were different. Now it required something else other than what I expected. And so in this series, we've been dealing with this question, how does Jesus become king? Which is going to lead us over the next several weeks into a, I think, even bigger question. And it's this, what do you do when life gives you something you did not choose and cannot control? What do you do when life gives you something you did not choose and cannot control? Because my guess is every single person in this room has dealt with life circumstances that you did not choose 
and you had no control over it. Maybe it was the loss, maybe it was a diagnosis, maybe it was something going on with your kids. But you have been in situations where life has given you something that you did not choose and you cannot control. What do you do? And so we're going to start in chapter 14, verse 27. You will all fall away, Jesus told them. For I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. So there is this, this moment where Jesus, with his disciples, these who are following him closely, who are committed to him, he looks them in the eye, sitting around this table, and says, you are all going to fall away. Every single one of you are fixing to walk away from me. And now, just as you would expect, Peter jumps into the conversation and he says this, even if all fall away, I will not. Going on. Truly I tell you, Jesus answered, today, yes, tonight, before the rooster crows twice, you yourself will disown me three times. But Peter insisted, emphatically, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the others said the same. Peter is so quick to jump in there and say, Jesus, I am with you no matter what. I am with you to the end. And this scene reminded me of Exodus. Back right before they go up on Mount Sinai to get the law, as God is speaking with Moses. God is talking to Moses and he says, you go down. And you tell all these people that if you will obey everything I have commanded and you will keep my covenant, then you will be a treasured possession. You will be my chosen people, this kingdom of priests. And so Moses runs down the mountain and he gets in front of the elders and the people and he says, here's what God said. If we'll keep all his commands and we'll obey everything he said and obey this covenant, then we're going to be his treasured possession. We're going to be this kingdom of priests. And the people look back at Moses and they say, we will do everything God has said. Moses, of course, runs back up on the mountain and gives them the laws of this covenant. And, of course, we know how that story ends. People don't. Can't. Time and time again. And here you have Peter. Is Jesus looks at him and says, you're going to fall away. This road that we're on is fixing to get really difficult. And you're going to walk away from me. And Peter says, no, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. It's coming, Peter. It's right here. And James and John, think back, just just." Weeks before. Hey, we want to drink the cup you're going to drink. We want to be baptized with the baptism that you're baptized with. We can do that. We want to sit at your right and left. Jesus is telling them, no, you, 
you don't understand what you're asking for. You don't understand where this road leads. And Peter, along with all of the other disciples, no, we, we know. We're with you. We will not stumble in the face of difficulty. My guess is all of us would say the exact same. But the truth is, you never know the answer to that question. And you never know your true sincerity until you find yourself tested. And so as you enter the garden, there are these two really distinctive perspectives. You have Jesus who is seeing all of this unfold with his disciples going with him to pray. And then you have the disciples who think they know what's going to happen and they think they understand their commitment level walking into the garden with Jesus. And so picking up in verse 32. They went to a place called Gethsemane. And Jesus said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James, and John along with him, and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death, he said to them. Stay here and keep watch. Going a little farther, he fell on the ground and prayed, if it is possible, the hour might pass from him. Abba, Father. And this, this Abba, Father is an Aramaic word. And it's an intimacy with a father figure that would be unheard of for the Jews describing God. God is Father, yes, completely on par with what a Jew would say. But Abba is this Aramaic word, basically is like my child calling me Daddy. And there is no way they could see God so intimately loving and involved with their, with his, their children that they could actually call him Abba. Abba, Father, he said. Everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me. So Jesus asking that this hour be taken away. Then he goes on to say this, Yet not what I will, but what you will. God, I want out of this scenario. This is not the way I'm choosing to do it. I can't control the way it's going to happen. I would like you to take this away from me. I don't want to walk down this road. And the disciples, not fully understanding still what this entails. Jesus, we're with you. We're with you. We're going into the garden to pray with you. Going a little further. He returned, sorry, then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Simon, he said to Peter. So this is the very first time Jesus has called Simon, Simon. 
since he changed his name in the beginning. Throughout the gospel, once he changes his name, he says, you're Simon, now you're going to be Peter. And since chapter 1, he has not called him Simon again. As I was reading it, just those times when your mom would open up the front door and you're playing out in the neighborhood and you would hear, Gary, Ryan, Albritton, get in here. And you know you're in trouble. I think this might be one of those attention-grabbing moments for Peter. As Jesus looks at Peter, says, Simon, Simon, are you asleep? Couldn't you keep watch for one hour? Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing. The flesh is weak. Once more, he went away and prayed. Same thing. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. They did not know what to say to him. Returning a third time, he said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? What's going on? Enough hour has come. Look, the Son of Man delivered into the hands. So three times, go, go back, three times he finds them sleeping. Three times they're resting. And now Jesus says the hour has come. And then he says, rise, let us go, here comes my betrayer. Jesus wanting things to go a different way. And what's interesting in this story is as he calls on God, his Father, God is silent. Going back to Jesus' baptism, a voice speaks over Jesus. This is my Son. I love him. I'm pleased with him. Going to the transfiguration. This is my son. I love him. Listen to him. And now, Jesus cries out in a moment of need. Abba, Father. God is silent. Have you ever been in that place? Or you've prayed and you've asked God to show up. You've asked God to maybe work a miracle. To heal the broken marriage. To heal a sick child. To heal a loved one. And it seems like God is silent. It seems like God's response is, Wait. Endure. Patience. 
disciples are left to wait. Because Jesus is left to wait. I heard a story once about a young child who had a really aggressive form of cancer. And every week, his dad would take him in for treatment. And he would lay down on the table. And his dad would stand right behind him, right over his head. And he would hold the child's head in his hands. And he would look down into the child's tear-filled eyes. And just over and over say, son, I love you. But you have to go through this to get better. Son, I love you. But you have to go through this to get better. And as Jesus endures the unthinkable, God's response is not, I love you. But you have to go through this to get better. It's actually silence. And to be honest, if he were to speak, it would be, I love you. But you have to go through this so that they will get better. So that they will have life. So that they will have a chance. But he doesn't even say that. Here, when you would expect maybe more than ever for the voice of God to declare, This is my son. I love him. I am pleased with him. Keep following him. God does not and the disciples who have boasted of their faithfulness Peter who's declared I will not leave you or asleep and in the end, the only thing we will see is not the disciples' faithfulness. But it's God's faithfulness. Faithfulness to His way. As Peter falls asleep. As James and John, those who are closest to Him, in the hour that He needs them the most, can't seem to stay awake. And for you and I, there should be light switches going off all around this story. Just moments before, maybe a day before, the hour, it's unknown. And Jesus tells them be on guard, be alert, keep watch. Don't let him find you sleeping. Watch. Jesus declares the hour has come. The time is now. 
and the disciples are asleep. But it's not just the hour that's unknown. Let's just be honest. It's not just the hour that's unknown. It's the when, it's the where, it's the how, it's everything in the story is unknown. And all the disciples are left to do is just simply follow step by step right on the feet of Jesus. Not knowing where it will lead, not knowing what comes next, just understanding their calling is simply to follow. Then, these men, verse 43, they seized him. And they arrested him. Going on. Then one of those standing near, John tells us this is Peter, drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his ear. Am I leading a rebellion, said Jesus? that you have come out with swords and clubs to capture me. Every day I was with you teaching in the temple courts, and you did not arrest me, but the scriptures must be fulfilled. Then everyone deserted him. Everyone. Who, who is everyone? Everyone is those who have been following him, those who raised their hand and said, hey, I will not deny you. I will be with you. I don't care if I have to die. And I, I think when Peter pulls out the sword and tries to cut off his ear, I think he was aiming for his head. I really do think Peter was committed to following Jesus. And John's version, when he tells him to put away the sword, I think it threw Peter off so badly. This is not what I was expecting. I was prepared to die. But you just said, put away your sword. And Peter and the rest of the disciples, they don't know what to do. Run. All those who were with him. Fall away. And Jesus is left to face captors on his own. If you remember, Mark keeps throwing these really big contrasting stories in this gospel. Here you find the disciples asleep while Jesus' betrayer is wide awake. You find the disciples who can't see that this is Jesus the Messiah and blind Bartimaeus who literally can't see but recognizes Jesus as Messiah. You have the elders and the teachers of the law with their places of honor and their robes, and you have the poor widow. These contrasting stories over and over again of people who are committed to following Jesus who don't look the part, and yet the ones who do continue to seem to follow it. Those who you knew endure till the end. Don't. Those who you thought were probably the most committed people when the road got tough turned away. Brings us back to this really important question. 
what do you do? Life gives you something you did not choose. Cannot control. For the disciples, this wasn't the way we planned it. This wasn't what we expected. This wasn't what we signed up for. But it brings about, I think, a bigger question. And it's, will Jesus abandon the way of the Father? The cost becomes too much. Or maybe, will the disciples abandon the way of the Father? The cost becomes too great. Maybe even the bigger question for us today. We in the way of the Father. Cost becomes. And the truth of the matter is, you don't know the answer to that question until you're living in the midst of that question. Because like I said, you don't start out, you know, I'm following Jesus, I'm all in. Unless it gets really difficult. If it gets really difficult, then I'm probably going to walk away. My, my thought, every single one of us would say, just like Peter, I'm with you till the end. No matter what comes, no matter what happens, but the truth is, just like Peter, you don't know how you will answer that question until you are living in that question. You don't know how you will respond. Until you find yourself in that place. Peter, I know you're committed. But you don't know how you will respond. Until you're there. You have to be tested. If you're going to get a stress test. They put a mask on your face. Hook you up put you on a treadmill and say walk put your heart under stress to see how it's going to respond unless you're like this lady that's right no huffing no puffing for 30 minutes on a treadmill we've developed a new stress test that's faster and more accurate we're we're going to find out how your heart does under stress And here's the deal. You don't know. You don't know how your heart will respond until you're in that situation. What do you do when life gives you something you did not choose, cannot control? Because next week we're going to look and see how the disciples respond in that moment. And how Jesus responds in that moment. As they literally step into that middle of that question. How will they respond? When life gives them something they did not choose. Cannot control. But until that day comes. Jesus reminds them, watch 
pray so that you will not fall into temptation. Spirit is willing. Flesh is weak. I know, Peter, you're com committed. I know you think you can do this. The road that I'm fixing to walk is incredibly difficult. And it's going to be incredibly Still willing to follow? Are you still willing to take up your cross? To lose your life for me and my kingdom? Find it. And the truth, as we said, is you don't know how you will respond until you find yourself in the middle of that question. Father, we thank you. For this day. God, we thank you that as Peter boasts of his faithfulness, probably like many of us would, all we see is your faithfulness. The road that you're willing to endure, the cross that you're willing to bear, regardless of what comes. Father, we thank you for your gift. We thank you for the cross. We thank you for resurrection. Excuse me. We thank you for resurrection. We thank you that in spite of all of the times that we stumble, all of the times that we fall, we are still called your children. And Father, I firmly believe that even though you were silent, you were still there. You still heard the prayers. You were still right by his side. Father, the same is true for you and I. That you are still there. You are still right by our side. Regardless of where we go. Calling us back. Calling us to courage. Calling us to follow. Thank you. Father, pray. we pray that you would give us the strength today. To follow you today. Be your disciples. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.